Hello! Jimmy! How's it going? I want your setup. It's so cool. Yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> I'm flexing, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, it's nice. I just it looks, cleaned it for the first time in eight months, so. It looks really good. How's Thank everything? You. Yeah, good. How are you guys? I'm, I'm excited. Thank you for the invite. Thanks hey. for coming on. Um, Anytime. We were just laughing. Carly just sent us your your tweet when you wrote, just drove to the beach with six little girls singing driver's license. Jeez. That's <laughs> amazing. It was amazing. I, I wish I had maybe, you know, when you guys put out a tweet, you're like, oh, like 20 minutes later, it would have been funnier to have this punchline. And I, I wish I would have wrote send help instead of it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it still worked. It was, I was being very sincere. And I should have acknowledged that I may or may not have been singing at the top of my lungs. Yeah, don't pretend like you weren't thoroughly enjoying every second. <laughs> Red lights, stop signs. Yeah, I mean, it's on 24-7 around here. So. I love it. It's awesome. You talked a little bit in our first podcast with you about being a parent and a coach. Um, so we can definitely talk about that. Sure. But we just love to get tips from you what other soccer dads should do, what they shouldn't do, sure. um, get your perspective on it. <laughs> Even as a player, what you thought was helpful from parents and what was unhelpful. Can we throw it back to the video I helped you guys make? Uh, oh, oh, we are going <laughs> to be throwing it back to that. Statistical dad. That I remember, so yeah, back in March of 2015, <laughs> they had seven shots on goal. <laughs> that was literally the line. <laughs> you, uh, you reminded me of like a Nickelodeon character. There was like a cartoon that you were, I feel like were doing really well. Um, that video was so funny, though. That was great. It was great. You guys killed it. We'll have to post that. You guys are crushing it, too, by the way. It seems like you guys are crushing it. We're trying. Thank you. Yeah. We're gearing up for the Olympics, getting excited for that. So hopefully uh, the U.S. don't do what they did last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that would be helpful if they at least got to the final. But yeah. the other teams are oh, – I, I do a lot of NWSL coverage now for CBS, and uh, I am tapped in and locked in than ever before. But um, yeah, just in general, just, as you guys know, the women's national teams around the world are getting a little bit better. So that's scary. Yeah. So you cover the NWSL for them? I, I, I'm one of many. I mean, they rightfully have a lot of female voices, but I come in, I'm the wagering analyst. So I tell you what lines to bet on. That's me. <laughs> so I'm like, listen, Megan Rapinoe is the shit and she's going to score a bunch of goals. Cause that's just, I come on like a drunk, like your drunk uncle. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. It is. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. So I, I enjoy it, and I actually do pretty well in the NWSL, uh, NWSL games. I feel like they're a little crazy. They're a little crazy. You think you got something down, and then Portland Thorns win 5-0. You're like, what mm -hmm. just happened? But uh, who do you guys support? I guess I should ask. Do you guys have a favorite team? We always like get asked this question. I feel like the Courage and use and Dash. Like that I'm really liking like Gotham. I just like their whole vibe. I like yeah, their yeah. rebrand. Their rebrand was really cool. Yeah. So, so Freya, Freya Combe, the Coombe, the manager, she's, she's in my, I'm getting my A license, my coaching course. Um, and she's in it with me. So it's been cool to get to know her on a coaching level and then to see how well they've been performing the challenge cup. And then now it, they don't score very many goals, but uh, they're tough to break down. They, they, they keep possession. So I like, I like how she plays. How is getting your A license? It's a, it's a struggle. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. It's, it's super it's, hard. Have you taken it? No, but I've just, uh, like, I've, I've worked with a lot of coaches and just that one is not, it's a lot. <laughs> it's it's really thorough. I had to actually back out uh, and just hit pause because of some family stuff that came up. But um, I'm going to reapply myself at some point. But I got enough of it. I was four or five months in. I was like, holy crap, this is they they make you earn it and, and that's how it should be ultimately i mean if you want to be a dedicated coach also my team that i coached usl league two uh had their season canceled again so i don't actually have a team to coach which makes it a little bit difficult to get your coaching uh certificates if you don't have a team to coach so there were a couple issues at hand for me but don't you coach your daughter i do i, I well we i did um she's now she took a step up Ooh. and um she went from being uh, one of the better players on her team to probably being one of the worst. <laughs> and I, it's hard. That's a big jump. And yeah. um, she's got expectations because I'm her dad that she should just be better at the game than she is. And I'm like, well, you still have to practice. You know what I mean? It's not like just osmosis. You're going to just be good. So 
so there's been a lot of tears, lots of tears. And as you guys know, there's a lot of kids that can be very mean to the new kid mm -hmm. and, and not, and that's not an obvious way. It's not over the top. It's very subtle. It's oh, like it's the worst kind the of way they look at you. It's the way that they don't talk to you. It's the way that they exclude you from things. It's very subtle. And my, my daughter, well, like most kids would picks up on it and it hurts her. It hurts her a lot. And, oh. and the hard part, I, we can get into it, but the hard part is as, as a dad, there there's not much i can do she just has to i can be there to support her but these are battles and respect that she has to earn on her own mm -hmm. and honestly when you're making the move from being the best person on your team to not one of the best people on your team it's the right move even though it feels terrible but yes that type of environment that yes. it's a, literally it's very discouraging but that is the environment you want to be in you you ultimately do not want to be the best on your team unless you're on the top team in the world and the best there's always yeah, that, would, that would be nice. I don't know what that feels like. Maybe yeah. you guys do, but I, I have no idea. <laughs> but there's uh, always a, you know, you want to be in that environment that's that's better. But yeah, I, I, it's you're you're so right. And a lot of the girls know sometimes, like even girls will message us, and they they know that the better move for them would be to go to another team, but they're literally scared to mm -hmm. because of the way. And I, I can only speak for girls teams because we've been on it, but it is it's. Just, it's subtle and it's not always the most mm -hmm. welcoming environment ever. And I think sometimes too, maybe it's not so purposeful, but you know, girls are used to their, the way their team chemistry is. And they're very, they have, there's this little invisible wall around that kind of doesn't let anything new come in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes of course it's intentional and sometimes it's not at all, but Oh, that is one of the, the hardest things. And people fear that so much. So I feel for her. Yeah, I did. I remember when I switched teams in eighth grade, I also was really worried about my friends on my old team, like breaking the news to them. I, I was like the worst feeling to tell like your best friends from growing up, like, oh, I don't want to play with you guys anymore. You guys aren't good enough. <laughs> yeah, like don't take it offensively. <laughs> like yeah, it was yeah. such an, like, an awful thing to do as a kid, but it also like makes you grow so much. So yeah. I hope she can stick it out and, and, you know, persevere through and those girls will be nicer. Yeah. Do you find it so hard because like you you feel for your daughter and you want to like, I'm sure you want to step in and like talk to the parents of the other kids and like all that other stuff. Like, how do you keep your, set the boundaries, you know, so you don't, so you let her, you know, deal with it on her own so she can learn and grow? It's a great question. I think given my, my experiences as a player, I know that it's not in my best interest to talk to the other parents. You know, it, it would it would be very clear to my daughter that I that I had done something, that I had tried to fix it, and I don't think that's a good message to send for her for the rest of her life. That anytime that she has a problem, dad's gonna come in and fix it. So I have to just sit back and watch her walk her path, and it's it's hard. But what I can do is support her and give her reassuring messages that I've been through this too. And here are the things that helped me. It might not help you because we're different people, but, but these are the things that I was thinking about to help me work through it. I remember I used to write, this was more of a personal thing, but I used to, if you guys can believe it, I used to talk a lot of practice. I don't know if you guys can ever, I'm, I'm very shy. I get it. I get it. But, but I used to talk a lot in practice and always look for the joke. I don't know if you I don't, I don't, it's hard to believe. I know, but I used to write, uh, a note and I tape it above my bed. So every night before I went to bed, I look at it and it was have a good attitude today. I mean, it's just so basic, but it did help me think it through. And it, you know, what it ultimately did was make me visualize how I wanted to be at practice. This wasn't even me performing. It was just me kind of my, my essence and my, yeah. my vibe that I was giving out. And it really started to shift how I approached practice and, and why I was there. Was I there to get better or was I there just to make friends? I mean, these are two very different things. And so these are the same questions that I ask of my daughter and, and hopefully other parents are asking of their kids as well as they start to get into an age where how serious do you want to take this? Because there's now different levels for you to find that sweet spot. And do you want to challenge yourself? Do you want to get out of your bubble? Do you want to leave your team in eighth grade and leave all your best friends like Shannon did? Or, or you know, do you just want to stay in the kind of comfort of your bubble? You don't really have those aspirations to do anything other than just have a kick-ass time while you're running around with other people in small shorts. I do. I do have a question. Did you, do you wait until your daughter comes to you with the issue or do you ask her about it? Like, what does that communication look like? <laughs> That's a good one. I think in this particular instance, I was helping coach her previous team. And as a parent, 
This has been a big challenge for me because this is the one thing that I really, really know. And this is the one thing that I can give a ton of advice on. And this is the one thing I can show you how to have a good first touch. And, and I can break down game like you've never seen. I, that's what I do. That's what I've done my whole life. So I'm very, very eager to, I can help you. But she doesn't necessarily want my help. And that's hard for me because I can't help you in tennis or golf or any other sport or she plays music. I can't, I, I'm a terrible musician. I can't help you at all. But in this, I can help you. And so I, it really takes all my strength. And it took me a little bit of time to realize that I need to back way off now that she's kind of made this jump to a more serious team and the kids take everything a little bit more serious. She doesn't want my involvement. The coach doesn't want my involvement. Down at the little rec leagues, sure, bring him on. <laughs> but, but once we started to take this up, now this particular coach, I think there's a lot of ego there. I don't think he wants my input it, 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 because I feel like he – Right, right when I walk up to him, he's like immediately defensive. It's the craziest thing. I'm like, I'm not even judging you. I'm just here to drop off my daughter. You know, it's yeah, really no, he listens to this podcast. Right? Uh, he probably does. He probably <laughs> does. So shout out to him for for listening to one of the best podcasts ever. You guys can cut that out. <laughs> so so um, that's been hard for me initially. And now now that I can kind of see it for what it is, and I'm letting her experience this without my involvement at all. Then to your point, Carly, or to your question. I do ask about certain recurring themes that are happening at training and asking how she's doing with them and how she's coping with those and how I can help in any particular way, not helping <laughs> like solving problems for her, but how can I, how can we just talk this out? And more often than not, it's just listening. And then when I can find the right spot where I can sense that she wants to hear something in return, then that's when I'll potentially provide some feedback. Ultimately, what I think both of my kids really appreciate is when I talk about making mistakes when I talk about failing myself and that I was feeling the same way as them. And this is what I did. And when I went that one direction, I kind of failed at that too, but I figured out that I learned something from that failure and that ended up pointing me in the right direction. So I try to relate to them in certain ways, but they always get a big kick out of me failing. So I'm like, thanks. I appreciate that. But there's something, <laughs> I guess, uh, that makes them feel comforted that, that uh, you know, their parents who they look up to, who, who seem infallible, actually are just human beings that make mistakes too. Totally. I, I feel like you're you're doing it the right way because there are a lot of parents who, they might not realize this, but they're so like overbearing and just like <laughs> constantly tell, reminding kids, you know, about mistakes or, you know, something that a coach said or whatever. And I do think you're taking the right approach. Like you're just sitting back and listening and letting your, your kid like experience everything. It takes a lot. Carly, I appreciate that. It's, well, it's a lot. It's hard. It's, I'm, I'm sure it's hard. Like yeah, when we, when we have kids, I'm sure it's going to be like a whole new experience for us too. Cause like you're a competitive athlete, you'll, you'll always be a competitive athlete, whether you're playing or not. So it's hard to like, you know, put that on your kid and like, you know, be overbearing but I do think that I just have to say like that sounds like it is the smart way to go about it because your daughter will probably really appreciate it that you're <laughs> listening to her when she wants to talk to you about something you know we'll see if she's in therapy in 10 years about, <laughs> uh, my my involvement or lack thereof with regard to her playing career but uh I will say I've been and I try to echo this sentiment to her even especially when she's down if I can sense that she comes home there's been a lot of tears in this process and I just always try to remind her of how proud I am of the fact that she went into a difficult situation and continues to go and continues to try to make it better. Uh, not only um, on the field, but off the field as well with the players that are giving her some attitude or whatever it may be. And, and I have nothing but respect for anybody that does that specifically my daughter. So it's, it's nice to see her have to cope with adversity and learn skills because ultimately that will serve her well in whatever she chooses to do with her life. And just as a side note to everyone listening, all of us, whenever we went on a new team, do you not remember the first person who was ever nice to you on that new team? You remember Always. that person. Mm -hmm. Always. You remember that person very distinctly. And everyone should want to be that person that was nice to someone because that's it's such a stress-filled environment to go to a new place. And you always remember the person who took a second to include you in something, you know, or even just to say anything positive during a practice when you're nervous, like that sticks with you so much. And it makes. And, and the opposite. You're also, yeah. you also remember the, the person that was mean to you. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But yeah. if everyone realizes how much that just like fast tracks team chemistry mm -hmm. and you ultimately all get better, like this person is here to be on your team. Why do you want yeah. to? Everyone wins when you're um, nice yeah. to them. 
exactly so <laughs> but it's, it's people feeling threatened it's you know yeah like they have their little click they have their starting position and anyone who's gonna like mess with that it's silly but hopefully they realize that sooner rather than later but yeah, yeah it's it's intense because if you do go up the ladder and continue to grow in the sport and continue to go level on level on level or go up the levels you 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 realize that once you get to the pro level or even the college level if you're the new person you might be taking this spot away from really good friend of the star player or you know when you get to the pro level you're not only taking playing time away you're potentially taking food off of the table for somebody who's now not getting the opportunity who maybe has a new kid at home and needs to pay those bills and needs to hit that one game bonus so they can end up paying for whatever. I mean, this it gets really, really intense and complicated uh, as, as you go up the ladder. So the sooner you can learn those those coping skills, uh, the better off you're going to be. And, and ultimately, killing everybody with kindness is usually the way to go. Definitely. So for, for someone who was a coach, was it difficult to transition from not being a coach anymore? And at the same time, when you were coaching, was it difficult to – change roles from being coach to dad? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. A lot of parents who are listening who probably are coaching or assistant coaching or think they're coaching. Uh, <laughs> so do you have any I always think I'm coaching, so I'll fall into that camp for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, because sometimes I can't help it where I'll say, hey, and ultimately anytime I coach, one of the things that I use and anybody that's listening that, that coaches can use this too, I'm just trying to make the game easier for you. And I'm trying to make the game easier for our group and and i think that if the game feels easier you're going to enjoy it more and there's really a nice like straight line for me with regard to that so i try to come in and use that context as a way to coach especially younger players who who are still learning the sport and the nuances and even just controlling the ball because it can get really frustrating if you can't control the ball that you want because then you can't make any other decisions after that so so was it tough for me i always feel like i'm in and out of coaching all the time i guess with the, as it pertains to my daughter it was tough initially because I watched them play. And now that I'm definitely doing my coaching license and looking through that coaching license lens, I'm looking for these, what are the pillars of the game? And what's their, how, what's their, uh, their, you know, the four pillars, which is, you know, attacking, attacking, transition, defending, defending, transition. What are they doing in all these four in-game moments or whatever it's called? And so I start to look at it and there are some glaring you know, uh, deficiencies, let's say on, on, with every game I watch every, every, even pro teams are going to have that, but it's obviously a little bit more obvious at the, at the youth level. And so I just, there's in my mind, I'm not even looking at my daughter. She's not even playing in these positions. Like if I could just work with that back four, <laughs> yeah, they'd be so much better. You know? So I look at, I think about that type of stuff, you know, should I go talk to the coach, you know, and just say, Hey, can I just work with them on a team shape session? You know? Uh, and how do you want to play your team shape? And then I just decided, and I asked my daughter, actually, I kind of want to say something. And she's like, please don't. And so I didn't. So, so I definitely, in this particular instance, the time before, I didn't really ask her. I just kind of did it because I could sense that the coach, she had, a whole many, she had a whole bunch of teams. She had a full-time job. I could sense she just probably needed a little assistance anyway because when I did go out to practice, she's great. Uh, but she, they didn't, the field space wasn't great. And I feel like she was so good at, at smaller groups that if she could just focus on working with just with the attackers or, or how to build up play with the midfielders and I could just help out with some team shape, that would help free her up to, to play to her strengths. But I had to get to know her first. This other coach, I mean, it's pretty clear he doesn't want any help. And, and, and my daughter didn't want me to be involved as much in this one either. So I just, I just took a back seat and I just sit there and I sit there in my chair and I watch and I don't, I probably have running commentary in my mind, but I don't, uh, I try not to say it out loud though. My wife is like, can you just stop with the mumbling? You know, I'm always mumbling. Why, just just, just write simple. it in your diary at night when you go home. <laughs> all my diary would say is play simple. That's yeah. all it would say every time. So by the way that you're today. facing. <laughs> by the way that you're facing. So, uh, anyway. I, think, I think one thing that I would say for all parents is definitely don't say things about other players on the sidelines mm -hmm. yes like that was the biggest one is we all know who we're talking about in college her dad would yell at all of us and it was just like i'm sure she was embarrassed but that's an aggravating thing mm -hmm. like it's one thing to yell at your own daughter which i still don't think you should do 
talk after the game, but when they do it like in the game at other players, that's like that's secondhand embarrassment. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that I try to do for the younger groups is I try to have a separate meeting with the parents, no players there, and say, hey, listen, these are really the objectives of the season. This is what we're trying to do. And because these kids are young enough, if you're yelling from the sideline, do X, your kid's probably going to do it because they want to please you more than they want to please me at this particular time in their life. Uh, and, and that, well, I don't know. If my dad was still yelling at me at 20. I'd probably still want to make sure, you know, I please my dad. Thankfully, he wasn't doing that. But, but there's still that pull, that push and pull between, do I listen to my coach? Do I listen to my parents? And so it's really important that if the coach could have a dialogue, it's not a, it's not a the coach versus the parents type of thing. And I feel like we get that situation a lot where, because in simple communication could solve it because if this coach in particular just came over and said, Hey, you know, parents, we're working on these three things in practice. If you could just, if you're going to yell anything, yell these three things. And this yeah. is why, and this is where you should do it. And just to actually educate because a lot of the parents just didn't grow up in the game. They don't know. They don't know what they look, they should be looking for. Now, sometimes if you're overly educated in the game, like me, then you start to like really nitpick in a way that like, maybe I don't know if that's the best either, but I'm not getting too vocal, uh, all things considered. Yeah. But I do think that there needs to be a little bit more of a better line of communication between coaches and parents. And I think a lot of that stuff could be handled just with kind of being transparent. My, my, under, my, my kind of cynical perspective on this is that the coach doesn't want to share that stuff because they don't want to get found out that they're actually not that good of a coach. That's a different take though. That's yeah. a whole different conversation. <laughs> and there's a, there's a lot of posers out there. Don't get me wrong, but there's also a lot of coaches who might not have a soccer background, but who are excellent human beings and fantastic role models for your kids. And so, you know, there's, there's that balance of, of trying to understand which coach you have. Yeah. I will say one more, I got to add, cause I, I, you guys know, I don't like to talk, but you guys got me going and I'm, I'm going to start talking is, is, uh, there is some benefit from also not having like having a coach that isn't good. And, and I feel like with this particular coach, there are certain things that he could do better to get more out of his players, specifically my daughter who, you know, there's obviously as a coach, you have to identify how you, how do you press the right buttons for all of your players? And he's definitely not pressing all the right buttons for my daughter. And I find it fascinating because if he just solved one or two things, he could unlock it with her. And I actually think the whole group, Again, it's not my path to walk. This is him. But uh, it's been a good – she comes back and she's crying. I shouldn't cry all the time. I don't want to, like, paint that picture. But but she gets frustrated with this particular thing. And, and I'll just tell you guys, it's Rondo. So 5v2 or Rondo. And they they keep score. And they keep score by how many balls they win when they're, when they're in the middle. So it's 3v1s and how many she cuts out. My, my daughter, I, I love her to pieces. She plays it too straight. She'll go run to one person and they'll pass it to the other one. She runs over to them. She's so naive in her defending. I'm like, can you just add some, just go two foot somebody, like get something, make it hard to play against. And, and she never wins. She's always last. And they start the practice that way. So they start the practice and she's already feeling bad about herself before they even really get into anything. And her head, her head is down the whole practice because they play this stupid game where they're keeping count. I don't mind. I listen, I'm a big Rondo fan, but I don't think you need to add the layers of counting. And as we've learned, some of the girls add some points to their score, so they don't. And they have to. Yep. And they run. And they run. If you if you are last, you you have to run more than everybody else. This is yeah, terrible. Feels like so 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 now she feels bad, and now she's being punished in front of everybody, right? But but the, some of the other girls who've been around, just like oh, I, I got ten points, and nobody nobody's there to go like, well, wasn't it eight or nobody calls anybody out because they're the the alpha females of the team. And she's like, wait, you got sick, but she's too scared to say anything, you know? No, that is coaching it's, psychology, like 101. Yeah. No, no, that is such a dumb way. So bad, isn't it? You want to so end practice competitively? End it that way. Mm -hmm. Let's start it off on a foot where we immediately have the winners and the losers. <laughs> and exhaust them with running before you even get to, like, play. And her head is uh, down the whole time. Yeah. So, so. It hurts me. I, I this is the this is the one thing that I want to say something to him about. <coughs> Excuse me. I really want to say something because, to your point, Alana, it's 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 coaching psychology one hundred and one, and the fact that this guy has been coaching for thirty years, and maybe it's because he's been coaching for so long. Mm. <coughs> those those are the archaic coaching styles back in the day, and that's what he knows. But that does not set the tone 
for practice yeah. in the yeah. right way, in my opinion. How how would you suggest a parent should talk to a coach? Like, what's an appropriate way? Because I feel like I feel like if someone you know sent like a a text that could be read in a weird light, you know, like it could start issues and problems. But I feel like what what would you suggest? <laughs> this is good because I've been talked off the ledge here by my wife. Uh, <laughs> like, don't don't do it. Don't. But I'm like, if I just say it like this, you know. <laughs> so so, this is the biggest issue for me. Is this Rondo? that the scoring system and um, I will say on the flip side, she got first one time and she was walking through the house. Like she was amazing, you know? So there was the flip side of that as well, because she had worked so hard and had been at the bottom for so long to have that reward of, I finally got there was pretty cool to see. Of course, the next week she was back at the bottom, but she had it, she had it. And and I did want to say something to him about this, but I just haven't. And, And it, a lot of it was, to your, your question, Carly, I just didn't know how to lead into it without getting him immediately defensive. And as yeah. I mentioned before, he he just gets defensive around me. So I just, I'm like, oh, man, you know, this is this kind of gets back to my, you're not always going to have the coach that you want, but you still have to figure out a way to have success and to survive within that framework. Yeah, because I think it is fair for parents to maybe bring light to how their kids are feeling at practice. And I also think it's fair to leave, give the coach space, but it's like, how do you find that like common ground? Cause you're right. Like a coach could really get defensive immediately. I, like think about it. If you lose a game, like immediately the coach is like running to the car to get away from the parents, <laughs> you know, like, well, so because he probably thinks you're more educated than he is. Well, least, with, yeah. with me in particular. Yes. Yeah. I would say that in, in general, let's say we were talking about a different sport just so if I felt like I didn't know the nuances and subtlety of the sport and the coach clearly knew more about it than I did, I would probably speak to more of the emotional side of, of the game, something I could relate to. And both of us could find that common ground and it's not a challenge of him as a coach and to potentially just say, Hey, listen, I've noticed that when my daughter comes home from practice, she's crying a lot and kind of mm-hmm. leave it general and not so specific and let that coach fill in the gap of, oh, well, maybe it's because of this. They just might be unaware. And as you, all three of you know, either as a player or if you've done any coaching yourself, it's hard to to pay attention to all the little things that are existing within your team. Even though you've set up a culture that you really believe in and you think everybody else is bought in, there's still sometimes a bad egg that can ruin some of that culture. And you don't know the kind of ripple effect that that, bad egg or that attitude might be having on the rest of the players. So I think there's a way to enter into that conversation and to say, Hey, you know, and I think tone is important too. So staying off of text and email is probably the best situation. Cause mm-hmm. as you said, it could be misinterpreted, Carly. I would say that person to person, hopefully we're not running back to the car, you know, when they're just <laughs> trying to get out of there. And it's obviously before a game is not easy either. I think what you could do is to text, or email the coach saying, hey, could I just have five minutes of your time and allow the coach to kind of pick pick the situation or the, or the, the surroundings, as it were, and just, and just really kind of open up and say, hey, my kid's been crying a lot or, or, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. But I think if you entered into it from an mm-hmm. emotional standpoint or yep. something very generic, that will allow you to potentially learn a little bit more about what the coach has seen. And then, then maybe once they open the door to – playing performance or whatever that's where you could you could potentially uh say something about about tactics or whatever but even then i'd probably stay away from that because more often than not i think what we need to do as parents is offer emotional support Mm -hmm. through through the good and bad stuff yeah i think that's such a good point too because when you open it up like that the coach might say i've noticed this and i'm doing it because i want to see how if it toughens her up or it makes her you know like he he might have a totally different angle Mm -hmm, that you mm -hmm. don't know so that that's why i think it is really smart to do that and like it's a collaborative thing like you guys can have that conversation in an appropriate way and yeah in person's probably best so parents take notes <laughs> on that too I, I, it's interesting because like i mentioned before there's always not always but there feels the majority of the time there's this us versus them mentality when it comes mm-hmm. to the coaches and the parents and it just feels coach coaching in sports is such a incredible vehicle to teach life lessons. The fact that that the, the coach and the parents wouldn't be working together to help make that as as 
productive and efficient as possible is crazy to me and that somehow other things get involved in the middle that have nothing to do with the development of the, of the child uh, as a human being is, is, is insane. So I get it. I get emotional at games too. And when you see some, when I hear a parent from the other team running their mouth about one of our players, it's hard not to kind of rise to that, you know, but, but, you know, you have to, you have to figure out a way to have that discipline because, you know, the kids are watching how you react off the field as well. I like how you, when you mentioned emotional support, we were just talking with um, Rocky Rodriguez from the mm-hmm. Thorns and mm-hmm. she was saying her dad was a coach for a long time. And, and even when the, she, he stopped coaching her in high school, he was still acting as a coach. And then when she became a professional, she's like, all right, I need you to stop being my coach and start being my dad. Like I need to come home and like tell you how I'm feeling, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. take away how I play. Like this is the emotional support that I need. So I feel like that's like very key for a lot of players is like they need to come home to that. And like, it's not saying that it's okay. You had a bad game. It's just saying like, this is, it is, but it's also like, these are things you can do, you know, to, to get mentally stronger. Um, mm-hmm. And that they, if they do want your opinion on, on things on the field, they can ask that, but it's not like you, they have to come home and you give them like, are right, you doing this and this wrong right away? Yeah, I feel like someone else we spoke to also said, like, lead with a positive and then go into, you mm-hmm, know, you did mm-hmm. this great, but maybe you could do this as well. It's the sandwich. You do you positive, negative in the middle, positive on the way out. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> um, and it's true. I think it does help ease, ease the, yeah, if you win a negative right away, you're going to get negative in return, right? So it helps to kind of go with the positive. And, and the way that you frame the negative is still in a framework that's, something you can, uh, receptible, you know, like you, you understand where they're coming from. So for instance, there happened to be a game recently with my daughter where there was a high point. There's like a little hill over the field and the first half I'm sitting there and I'm watching and there's these little things that her and I have been talking about. And, you know, I'll show her clips from, I'll show her clips from all over Javi, Iniesta, Marta, Alex Morgan, you know, little situations and decisions that they're making in certain situations, which I think are really important for them to see so they can kind of reinforce their own things. Halftime hits, you know what? I should film her. I've got the vantage point. So I go up and I film when she's in, she doesn't start. Okay. So she's already really frustrated about that. But I said, listen, all you can control is the minutes you get and what you do with those minutes, everything else out of your hands. So we really try to focus on that, but I filmed her and I didn't, I didn't, I'm not right after the game. Did I go, Hey, look at this. You got to do this, that, this, this, see, this is what I'm telling you. Why didn't you do this? You know, or, or whatever. I waited three or four days and Hey, remember I, I feel, I filmed the second half. I told her that I had done it. Why don't, uh, why don't we take a look? So we sat and watched and there was no pressure from the game. There was no upcoming practice or like ready to go to practice type of thing. Just let's just sit and watch. And this visualization of her scene Oh, you know, like this aha moments. Mm-hmm. It's really important. If you can film your kid and not be judgy when you're watching through it, I think is really important. Uh, and just say, hey, what was your coach saying to you here? You know, what input have you gotten? And how are you responding to it here? Because we have it. And then I also make sure to point out, if she makes a mistake, is there another kid, quote unquote, I'm putting air quotes for people that can't see me, uh, another of the top kids who's making a similar mistake? And we can, if we can see it and that, and now we can see it. And how can, how can, how do they respond to that mistake? Most of them, because the top players are so confident in themselves more often than not, they just shrug it off and get on with the next play. But the ones that are still trying to prove themselves, don't feel as confident, man, they, and I was there once too. We were all there where the ball goes out of bounds. You made a bad touch. And now that impacts the next three plays, but the top players, for whatever reason, I used to marvel at this too, when I was a young player, how do they shake that off so fast? <laughs> you know, I, I still, it's, it's incredible to me. So I, I try to point out that if I am going to put on my coaching hat, I ask her, Hey, can I coach this a little bit? She says, sure. I, I'm all, I could do this to every single player, by the way, that we're filming. I could, I could nitpick all of them positively and negatively about what they're doing. And we try to go through it. And I think because I could do that to everybody, I feel like it takes away a little bit of the, her taking it personal, her getting defensive. Mm-hmm. So there's different approaches. And again, one day it might work, the next day it might not, right? I have to be kind of uh, aware of, of the right kind of time to, to open it up. Yeah. But I do try to let her dictate when she's ready to get coached by me. And and ultimately though, like Rocky Rodriguez's, Rocky Rodriguez's dad, that was a tough one. <laughs> 
I, I default now instead of my default used to be coach first kind of emotional support second. I'd let my wife be emotional support. And now my default is emotional support. And if she's okay with me being a coach, then I'll let her dictate when that, when I, that love time that. Is. I also love that you waited a few days until after the game, because like, there's nothing worse than, I don't know. I just feel like once you play, there are some like emotions still left there, you know? And like, it's, it's nice to have her cool off and look mm-hmm. at it from a different perspective. You know, it, I mm-hmm. think that's really smart and it's something I didn't even really think of. So that's another great <laughs> tip. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, some of it's uh, dumb luck, I suppose, but there is a little bit of method to the madness at times um, because she's been really hard on herself and we went down to, I, I just wanted to help her. I, this Rondo thing was really making me mad more probably. Well, she was upset about it too. So we went down and I set up three cones and it was just me and her because we couldn't get anybody else to come out with us. So it was a little bit hard to replicate 3v1 Rondo, but, but I just said, you need to bait the first person to try to win the second one, right? You, you, you know, the first pass is going to get there. You take away, you cut off one. I'm getting crazy. And again, I cut off one pass. You can know you're going to force it to the other, that third person. You, you allow it to happen. And then you go smash that third person and try to win it there. So we worked through it and we're there. And she's, I don't know if she's having like, like anxiety about being in this situation or even thinking about Rondo, but she's paralyzed. She's crying. It's just me and her. There's nobody there. I'm like, let's just go home. This is, this is just super intense, you know, and, and I was just trying to help her. I thought, give her a couple, as I like to say, put, put some tools in her tool belt so that the, the, the whole game can be easier. And she just, I think, I think it was just too much for her to be in that situation to think about being in the middle and how bad she feels about herself when she's in the middle and all that stuff. So that took me a little while to figure out how to massage that mm-hmm. in, in a way. It's it's fascinating. Coaching psychology is underrated, and and I hope that uh, as people coach or want to coach and take coaching courses, that they they understand that that's probably the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, because it sounds like it's like the one thing that really is not fun for her. And at the end of the day, you want her to play because she's having so much fun. And yeah, so that I mean, we've all been there. I still get that way when with one v one situations, like going to goal. It's mm-hmm. just, it could be paralyzing when you freak yourself out and like the mental side of things. So she'll definitely work through it. And it takes time, of course. You're just doing your best as a dad too, trying all different things to help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a really good thing for parents though. Is it is going to be trials. Not everything that you hear about on here or read about in different like parenting, you know, books. It's not going to work for your kid. You have to kind of figure out what works best for them as an individual. And I love like even the video, that's something that parents of all different, like whether they know nothing about soccer or everything, you can film your kid's game. And that's a tool that you can let them use on their own. You know, whether you're breaking it down together or they're breaking it down themselves. Like, I think that's such a great thing that they can do. My, my, my one suggestion, if you're going to film it as a parent is you want to get up as high as possible so that you can see as much of the field. They can always zoom in and pick themselves out. I mean, you don't want to be like bird's eye view, you know, 10,000 feet away, but drone footage. Yeah. If you can get up there though, cause it, I think it ultimately allows them to see the space, maybe how much time they had on the ball. It allows them to see maybe a different decision that they could have made because when they did have the time on the ball, but if you're too close, if you're right on the field, it makes it a little bit harder to, to kind of get that, that uh, vantage point. But yeah, I do think filming is important filming without judgment while you watch it. Um, so, so I should say I had another dad standing next to me when I was filming and he's talking about what's happening. And I was like, you know, giving him the cut sign. Cause yeah, like, yeah, like I, I don't want any, any of this added commentary on this. And so, you know, all I need is, you know, somebody to say, shoot and shoot. Actually, maybe it wasn't the best time for her to shoot. You know what I mean? And, and so I didn't want any of that added yeah. in. So I had to tell him to, to button it up. So yeah, please film without any commentary or at least be around any parents yeah. that are offering and some, because that's wanna, a, that adds something that should be For a second, you are a rare case. You are a, you are a parent who is more educated than, 99% of the going to have it, if you really look down the sideline of a team you're talking at least 75% of the parents genuinely do not have any education in the sport that's not and, what they think and don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so it's literally no you know so so you're giving advice to to parents who could literally watch video footage and break it down but i i genuinely don't think a majority can at all 
not even not even close let alone be on the same page with a coach and understand what the coach is thinking too so sometimes like i take a back seat some parents you know yeah, like, no I, I would film and try to not have any other oh or or, yeah. or if you film it if you can just take the audio off yeah. or yeah. just you know you can tell your kid hey listen that one parent was running their mouth don't listen to the audio just yeah. just watch to watch I'm just they'll, thinking probably, like, they'll probably still listen but but they shouldn't i i to your point alana i don't think that they should they should be reviewing the clip they what they should do is as a parent you should say hey what were the three or four things your coach wanted you guys yeah, to do yes. today? like did you do that in the game yeah and or then and then think? maybe and then maybe review it you cut out the piece mm -hmm. and like send it to your coach yeah. hey what could i have done better and let the coach really be the person that inputs yeah, yeah. or even I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit unique that way yeah no it's so true though like maybe you know what what were some moments where you feel like you you made a mistake let's go watch those and see what else you could have done those, those are teachable moments you know but yeah yes. for the most part how many times do you hear the coach yelling the opposite thing that the parents are yelling on the sideline, like mm -hmm. polar opposite things? And how's the kid supposed to dictate all these voices yeah. that are coming at them with different instructions? But Alana, yeah. what you just said is true. You put it in there in your child's hands. What do you think? What do yeah. you think instead of you messed up here? Like it's it's like instead of like kind of attacking them and coaching them that way, it's more like let them think this through and, and talk yeah, to their talk coach it about loud, it. Watch it yeah. Out loud, watch it out And also two pet peeves I always had with parents was when they would scream, shoot it, when you're yeah. like nowhere near the goal and then, <laughs> and then kick it out, kick it yeah. out. Like, please don't do that. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that and that's where I think the coach could really help because if you're playing or if you're a coach that has a philosophy of we're trying to play out of every situation, then kick it out does not help solve any problems. Mm -hmm. And there are a few defenders I've seen over the last couple of years that really talented, but every time they are in a 1v1 situation or they do well to step in front of the attacking player and win it, they don't look to play. They don't look to that's like the best time to hit a team on transition is when they're out of balance and then when they're attacking and all you hear is 10 parents yelling kick it so they kick it mm -hmm. and now you haven't actually established a rhythm there's no foundation to what you're trying to do and as a coach you're like how am i ever going to re like actually do a passing pattern or, or have these kids think yeah. in a way about how to have success and to create numerical advantages on the field if every time you get the ball you just whack it so so that if, if i was a coach that was really pushing philosophy of a passing philosophy or, or possession-based philosophy, you'd have to go talk to the parents about, hey, this is what I'm going to do, and we're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way, and I can't have any of you groaning at the, at, if there are mistakes. Like, that's just going to be part of it. We actually ran into a team recently, two two months ago, a year younger than the, my daughter's team, 8-1. They walked us off. I mean, it was unbelievable. And... I had to go, I went up to the coach. I didn't say, I didn't, I didn't name drop myself or anything, but I just went up to the coach and said, how long have you guys been working on this? It was clear they had an identity, who they were, what they were trying to do, how they were trying to win the ball back, how they were trying to attack. I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. So I want to go introduce my, oh, I didn't introduce myself, but let me just talk to him and see. He's like, we've been working on this for five years. Hmm. And only now are we starting to see the fruits of that labor. And that's incredible. These girls are 13 now. So, so for five, 12, actually, they're a year younger. So for five years, I've been working on them since they were seven or eight years old, continuing to try to instill. And this team was exceptional, exceptional. I was so, I mean, they, they're a little younger. So I think if they ran into a good, a good team that could keep the ball and were physical, they'd probably get out muscled and that physicality would catch up to them. But if there were teams that tried to play against them and nah, there's no chance. And it was really impressive, impressive. And I, what I liked too, is I didn't hear any of their parents groaning. I didn't hear any of their parents saying, kick it out. You know, there was a nice blend of understanding and communication that definitely existed between the players, players to coach, players to parents, coach to parent. On the same page. Yeah. Everybody seems, on the same page. Yeah. Well-oiled machine, sounds mm -hmm. like. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, and also, have you noticed the uh, extra pressure on the kids nowadays from parents? Like, I feel like we've talked to a lot of players about this where... I mean, back then it used to be really fun to play, but now it's like parents are really putting so much pressure on the kids at such a younger age to play at a high level. And they kind of like, you know, get stuck in the system of trying to play at the higher level. So do you notice that? Uh, God, it feels the same to me. Um, there were certain types of parents that existed when I was playing many, many eons ago. And 
maybe there are more of those types of parents now because there's more kids playing. So maybe it just feels like there's more pressure in some ways. I will say that I do hear some asides and I saw this with my dad and my youngest brother who I'm the oldest of seven. So he was, my dad was pretty burned out by, by kid number seven, driving him to practices and stuff where he started to drop these little bombs of, of like the coach wasn't playing him. My dad would really pile on the coach like, nah, screw that guy. Or he just dropped things he shouldn't say, right? Whether you like the coach or not, it's best to, to keep that opinion to yourself or to the other parent or to a friend and not to the kid because it did tarnish, I think, the, the experience for, for my brother. And he'd also make things like, oh, man, if I didn't have to drive you anywhere, I could have done X, Y, and Z, you know? And, and I see that sometimes. I've heard a parent recently who said, well, we were going to go on vacation, but we have this soccer tournament. And, and if that's how she's talking to us, I can imagine that's seeping into how she's communicating to her daughter. And, and there's that kind of pressure too. So it's really interesting how these little things. So, so ultimately, I think to, to, to get closer to your point, Carly, it's we're sacrificing for you as a family. You better do something with your life. Yeah. Right. And, and I felt that as a, as a player too, because all my family vacations, we couldn't afford any, anything else ex- ex- extravagant. So I would have to, we'd go to like Las Vegas Turkey shootout. That would be our big vacation <laughs> yeah. for the year. Cause we couldn't afford anything else, you know? And, and, and I didn't know it at the time because we were just living it. But as I got older, I started to appreciate how much sacrifice my parents did put in. And man, wouldn't it be cool if I did turn out to be a good player so that it would kind of validate the sacrifices that they made. But that was something I felt. It was nothing I ever felt from them per se. It just, it just kind of was how our family existed. And if I had a parent who was kind of going against it, my dad, I remember one time, I love my dad, by the way. I feel like I'm painting him in not such great light. But but he, at one point, uh, I was supposed to go to ODP practice, Olympic Development Program. And I really wanted to go. It was like U14s. I wanted to go. And uh, my parents uh, weren't married. I, should, I have a really complicated backstory. But I'll just say that my parents had me when they were 18. My mom got married when I was three. So that's who I lived with. And my dad got married uh, when I was 11. And I have brothers and sisters on both sides. So I was over at my dad's house when I was 14. So kind of a special occasion to go over there and do all that stuff. And he had to drive me like an hour to go to this ODP thing. And he just slept in, didn't. He's like, ah, you just go next year. You know, and and that hurts you as a kid. You know, that, that, that he would, it was clearly, I was ready. My hair was combed. I had my chin guards on. My, you know, I was ready. And for him to casually dismiss it like that really hurt. It still hurts me today just thinking about it because I remember sitting there not knowing what to say or what to do. And and if you're having that type of messaging underneath at home, it's going to be really hard for your kid, I think, to succeed if they don't feel like they have your full support. And, and it, yeah, like you just said, you still remember today. So things like that, parents might not think it's a big deal, but to kids, it can like definitely feel... Like, like a huge deal on something yeah. that, that you'll remember for a long mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the way I would see that is my dad doesn't even want to see me play. Like it comes right. back to you. You're just like, it affects you so, mm-hmm. so deeply. And it, it you carry that with you as a player. It's crazy. But yeah, yeah it's definitely, I mean, parents play such a huge role in mm-hmm. the growth of so- of the players. So I think it's this whole podcast episode is so important. I think it's amazing the conversations we've had and you've given such amazing tips that Did I Did we start I... on the podcast? We didn't really have a formal start. I we <laughs> oh, started... starting right now. Imagine. <laughs> started... Let's go. Let's go. All right. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's amazing. I love you guys. <laughs> I also liked what you said about like the parents should be cautious about what they say about the coach. Because if you start hearing your your parents or your friends' parents talking trash about the coach, then when the coach is telling you something, you're like, ah, I don't care. Like mm-hmm. my parents don't like them. Like that guy suck. You know, like mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. going to start registering to them. Like then what's the point? Like, I feel like it's important for them to, they can have their own opinions, but to not voice those opinions to the kids. Cause you don't want to tarnish their relationship as a coach player as well. Yes. It sounds really stressful. I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I say something too? Recently I noticed this where, I, I've started to notice where if I hear something about someone, 
it's usually wrong because then I'll meet them and I'll form a different opinion of them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important for people to just remember that, like what's how someone perceives someone else. Like you, you can't take that to heart. You have to meet the person and talk to the person yourself and, you know, and make your own opinion because everyone has a biased opinion. So it is a nice reminder <laughs> to like maybe take it with a grain of salt and, you know, you, you do what you have to do to mm-hmm. learn more about that person and feel better about it. So yeah, it's a great, great point, advice. Shannon. No, it's great advice. I think uh, just one more thing to add from my perspective is that I sometimes drive a couple of the girls with carpool stuff back and forth. So we have like three girls in the car and for a while I'd be like, Hey, so what'd you guys do at practice today? And like, Oh, Rondo, you know, and I'd ask all these questions and then, I realized that maybe some of my responses were like, oh, you're doing that Rondo again, probably wasn't helping the process. And so I just decided to lean back on what I thought my parents did really well. And they just didn't pretend that they knew the game. They just, Mm -hmm. did did you have fun today? That was it. That was always it. Did you have fun today? Mm -hmm. And now that's what I say. I, I take some really good sound. I don't even know if it was advice, but some cues from my parents. And I just asked them, did you guys have fun today? And that actually opens up a huge conversation between all of them. And then they get to work through whatever they need to work through. And I just sit there and listen. And Heck I think yes. that's the best and driver's license. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. At the top of my list. And then <laughs> we, we get into full full karaoke of Olivia Rodrigo, as, as, <laughs> as one does these days. I love it. It helps brings out, bring out the positives of the practice, too. Like, they can talk about all the fun that they had. And that's what keeps them going and continue, like, showing up to practice, feeling mm-hmm. so good and, like, ready to play. So it's great. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy. I feel like I learned a lot. <laughs> I hope so. Parent. I don't know. I, I just <laughs> kept talking parent, and talking and talking. I'm going to take these words of wisdom from you. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I appreciate all of you. Soccer Girl Props is awesome and uh, continued success. Thank, thank you. you. You're Keep... going to have some soccer dag gear coming your way. And also today is, well, today's Friday. Uh, <laughs> Father's Day is Sunday. So happy Father's Day. Thank you very and, much. Uh, in honor of that, I have my Soccer Moms Rock mug. <laughs> yes, I just love show, it. Just showing some love for the other side. So Soccer <laughs> soccer Dads Rock, baby. You purchased that for yourself. You? <laughs> I, can't, I can't confirm or deny any rumors at this time. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jimmy. We appreciate it. Thank you.